AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Hey, John, I thought I heard you had a story about some vulnerable NAS devices. Uh, there is a story. So, you know, um, network test storage has been really popular lately, especially it's just yet another one of those IoT type devices that people just kind of buy, plug it in, deploy on their home networks, and, um, and just start using to store files and whatnot on. So, um, uh, some researchers recently discovered that there's a flaw in uh, several families of Lenovo NAS appliances. They actually have a list. There's several different um, versions that are impacted by this vulnerability. And there's a, an API uh, involved that if you know how to interact with the API correctly, um, it can index all the files that are on the NAS in an unauthenticated way. Um, and I think that's really the main part of the story is that this internet accessible device is now um, found it has a vulnerability that exposes anything that you put onto the drive itself, which you know causes a huge problem. First of all, they found about 5,000 vulnerable devices just through um, search engines that they were able to find. But Google also has part of their just regular search engine processing, it seems, has found, discovered these devices because it's an HTTP interface and indexed them as well. So it's already like in the Google indexes, the vulnerable devices because they were just discovered as part of the search engine wandering around, uh, crawling the internet. It's about 36 terabytes of files uh, when you look at the total number of devices out there. And um, they didn't get into details about like what, you know, it could be a, a wide variety of whoever used this uh, type of device. There's probably a lot of consumers mostly, I doubt. There's, there's probably but a lot of small businesses perhaps too. Um, I don't know that a large business would use a device like this. I, I, I would even assume some of these people set these up and have them exposed to the internet and they don't even realize they're exposed to the internet. Well, as a as an owner of one of these devices. Oh, you have one. I do. Good. <laughs> so um, can we get it up on the screen right now? Can yeah, we browse? Can yeah. browse to it. <laughs> so when I when I was reading the story, I looked and I'm like, oh wow, okay, I've got one of these. Now, lucky for me, is that one of the drives. It's a two. Mine's a two drive uh, system. One of the two drives uh, failed a long time ago. Oh. So mine is offline, so I'm not affected by this, and I, it's literally been just collecting dust on my, on my shelf. But I don't remember getting an email from, from Lenovo to tell me that perhaps mine, now mine might be on the list, because I read the story, there is some of these that have gone uh, end of life. End of life, right. So right. I don't know if they were sending notices out to end of life owners. Because um, I might be in that category, but I don't remember seeing an email to tell me that I might have to update my firmware. Right. Well, you probably also would have had to register, register. with them, and a lot of right. people don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, you know, if your email has changed from whenever you originally bought it, which probably hasn't happened, right. uh, a lot of people don't change their email very often. But you know, that's possible that whatever you registered with, um, and then it's also possible that you got an email. And you just always junk, right? Because everybody gets so much junk right. email, right? You That's just, true. Uh, so it's tricky. Desensitized um, to all of this, right? So I know the the article mentioned that uh, a lot of these devices are end of life, right? So what happens? Those those firm they pulled back the firmware to up, did they update those firmware for all of them, even the end of life? Um, I didn't really. Let me see. 
I'm not sure which one. They do list a product impact here, and for each one, there are download links to that you know mention, which I assume will get you to whatever the firmware version is, because they mention different firmware versions on here. So I have it up on the screen here, uh, the different uh, models that are impacted by this, and they have the updated firmware versions that you would need. So I think that they've addressed the ones that they know. I don't know that it mm. encompasses every single thing, because um, they're only telling you what they're specifically addressing here. I thought I read, <clears throat> I might have to look at this, I thought I read in there that uh, for some of the end of life devices, um, because they probably stopped creating firmwares for them and posting them up on their sites, it looked like they had gone back and for a couple of their devices, they had gone back and opened it back up to allow people to go back in, start downloading oh, firmwares, okay. old firmwares and stuff for them. So I thought I read Just that in the article. Specific case. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, being aware that this vulnerability exists is important so that you can get your uh, device secured and patched. Uh, before anybody finds it, uh, if it's not already you know indexed out there on the internet, I would always suggest never exposing right. network data storage to the internet or any really device on your network unless you absolutely need to. And then when you do, try to insulate or build in some security wrappers around that if possible, like either VPN or some sort of encrypted tunnel or even just IP whitelisting to only allow certain IP addresses to get into it so that you know the entire internet can't you know start poking at your internal home network yeah i think that's good advice you know they obviously give you the option and they make it very easy to make it internet accessible these days mm -hmm. right i mean it's right. usually one click you know usually putting in an, uh, an email address or something and it's usually one or two clicks and it literally makes it accessible from the internet um, in my case, I was just using it as a like a media server, mm -hmm. so I was just using it on my local LAN, so never exposed it. But but it's very easy to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, because a lot of people probably do want to do that. Yeah, but just be careful when you do, yep. um, especially if you're going to put sensitive files on there. So yep. you should really think about whether you actually need a device, or is it a convenience, or if it's something that you actually need. And if you don't really need it, maybe you shouldn't get it. If unless if you're willing to spend the time to make sure you're patching it and making sure it's secure. Hey Manny, I understand you're looking at a story about some sort of malware that's spreading around, exploiting Jira and XM? Yeah, so, you know, like typical, I've done, you know, thousands probably of stories on these types of, uh, you know, malware uh, infections um, that are part of uh, botnets. This one is your is your typical sort of Monero cryptocurrency malware. You know, this one obviously uh, Linux based. When it first came out, it was going after some vulnerabilities in the Apache Solar, which is I, okay. I believe some sort of Lucene based yes. query, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was also going after Jenkins and ThinkPHP. Okay. So, so they're finding a lot of these application web based application. Uh, software packages and finding vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities for them and, and using right. them, or using ones that are just announced. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. And so, and so, as part of this Watchbog uh, um, uh, botnet, as part of the payload that they're dropping, it obviously the end goal is to run cryptocurrency on these servers. Oh, okay. so right. So the end goal for this thing has always been, and, and seems to, s at least so far, still be cryptocurrency in the end. 
um, this particular new variant. So that was back in January. And as we've always seen with these things, they tend to migrate and uh, they change into new variants. Mm -hmm. So this new variant that has just sort of emerged, um, which is still using this, the sort of the watch bug uh, framework, mm -hmm. um, is now going after uh, JIRA, which right. is, you know, this issue tracking uh, right. software. Very popular. Right, very, very popular. package, right. Um, and then XM, which is this the mail transport. Right. And we right. talked about that vulnerability probably within the past month or something Correct. on the show, yep. if I remember right, yeah. Yep. So it's a pretty big universe of, of servers out there that are, that are exposed. In this particular case, it was kind of the story about what the uh, creators of this particular variant thought about about the actual malware that they were deploying. You know, when you're infected with it, there is a, there is a text file that comes along with it. So there's some uh, information that they are providing as part of uh, uh, the 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 info that they want to um, send out to their compromised users. Right. Right. So they're sending them a message about like, hey, this is this is what we're all about, right? So I I, I wanted to kind of have this screen, up here, yeah. right? So if you look at it, it's like, oh, so the goal of the campaign is to keep the internet safe, right? So they're making it so that it's like we're keeping you safe. Don't worry about this, right? Right. Um, and they're keep they're keeping the real hackers from causing real damage to organizations. We will <laughs> we know you feel we are a potential threat. Well, we ain't, right? right. So they're trying to leave your, you know, um, uh, you of concerns, of concerns <laughs> right? That they are, they're, they're a big threat to you. They're the good um, guys. They, you know, and they're teaching you, right? That this being is a teaching said, moment. right. That being said, we want to show you how tiny vulnerabilities could lead to total disasters. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so so don't worry, but I want to let you know that this could be a disaster for exactly. you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I find amusing. <laughs> um, so they go on to hear, um, so it, I, I love the one that says, please, we plead to, to everyone out there, don't sabotage this campaign. We want to keep the internet safe, right? So they're basically telling you, you know, just let this, let this campaign go on because in essence, we're doing good out there. Um, and, and, and then, you know, you got to love the Sometimes you got to break the rules to make them. So again, Th this is what kind of I felt like was interesting about this was this message that they're sending like, hey, we're doing something good for you, right? We're showing you that there's a vulnerability that you really do need to patch, but don't worry. All we're doing is just making a little, a little bit of money off right. of you. I don't think this will hold up in a court of law. No. <laughs> Yeah, if they're caught doing this, right. but you shouldn't be doing that. Using other people's resources or entering other people's systems without permission uh, doesn't make it right just because you put a disclaimer in there saying that we, we promise not to do any harm. If you're running one of these servers, what typically um, stops you from updating them, patching them, right? Is it that you have some applications running and they might break the application? Is that why they're, they're worried about just patch? Not, you know, it takes them a long time to patch. Um, servers whenever there's a vulnerability that gets yeah I, w I would think that that's I mean part of the reason you see that is is depending on what you're actually what other things are running on the server sometimes having downtime maintenance time to do uh, 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 pushes of patches delays the process and some of them are you know people stand these things up and right. it's like stand up and forget like they right. just don't right um, so I think there's a there's a I variety there's a of reasons why, of yeah, you would find 
uh, uh, you know, 1.6, you know, million of these vulnerable servers out right. there. And I would, uh, there's probably some scenarios, I don't know about JIRA, because I'm not super familiar with that, but certainly a lot of these content management systems where you have a lot of third-party plugins that you might use and be really dependent on for part of your presentation or whatever you're doing with your particular website, um, where going forward to the next version might break some of those plugins. Like they might not be forward compatible for some weird reason, they should be, but. Uh, and that might stop you from upgrading because it might break something um, as a dependency that you've either as a plugin or maybe something you've done yourself that you've coded in to, to modify the original intent of the code. Um, but like you said, I think more often than not, it's probably just lack of good patching processes on the user's behalf, like the site owner's behalf, yep. usually. Yeah. Again, making sure your system's patched, making sure it's not available to the internet if it's not, if it doesn't need to be accessible through the internet. You know, those are the types of things, typical things that people seem to forget about or aren't aware of. Hey Manish, you've got a story for us about a new uh, Linux-based backdoor. That's right. So unlike most of the stories that we talk about Linux, uh, this one's not targeting Linux servers. It's actually an implant targeting Linux desktops, uh, which is kind of interesting because the use of Linux desktop is not very prevalent around the world. Right. Um, so this, uh, this, this is a backdoor implant, and it's disguised as a GNOME extension. It's called Evil GNOME. Uh, that's what the, uh, the researchers named it. And the other interesting part about this is it's, it has a spy. Its main purpose seems to be for spying capabilities. So, and that's interesting because you're not targeting a huge population to begin with, and then you're targeting them for, you know, to collect things like uh, audio recordings from the microphone, right. um, screenshots. Um, it also uh, has a module that um, it grabs newly created files and uploads it to the command and control server. Um, it can receive new C2 instructions from the command and control uh, server. So like all the typical functions yeah, you find with see. like traditional rats right, right. Um, are built into this. Into this, right. Uh, that you know, we would normally find in the Windows and Mac right. type platforms. Right. Not even so much on the Mac platforms, but now it looks Windows, like right. on a Linux desktop, right. somebody has a very similar set of capabilities in this evil gnome package. Right, right. It's hard to sort of defend against this stuff because usually the creators of this have targeted you for a particular reason. So they're going to go and find your particular vulnerability, whether it's your personal vulnerability or the, the environment that you're sitting in, some vulnerability in the environment or the, the operating system that you're uh, currently running. From what I understand, it, it seems like the researchers found this uh, from through VirusTotal, um, oh, and when they okay. when they looked at it, uh, the, there's a, an additional module. It's a keylogger module, but it seems to be unfinished. Hmm. So this seems this looks like it's an early um, sample of this that's not really been deployed, or uh, it seems seems to be still in the works. Um, so whatever command and control that's that's uh, coded into the into the implant, that's probably going to end up changing and things like that. So I think this is. Uh, this is, I mean, it's it's very interesting uh, to me. Um, Somebody goofed. And that's what they think. That's what the article mentioned. They 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 think maybe somebody goofed and, up and uploaded the virus total by accident. Maybe just um, see if it would get detected. detected. Right. That's Something typically. Like that. I think that's what they what uh, hmm. people hoping do. that no one right. would notice it. Notice it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's only about 2% of users that have the Linux desktop OS. You know, it's not who is typically targeted when it comes to the Linux environment. Uh, it's usually the servers. I think that's really interesting. Um, the amount of effort that has gone into creating this uh, backdoor, uh, it just seems like a, there's some determination there that we haven't really figured out. So uh, this the, the implant gets delivered by, and it, um, it's, it's delivered by a self-extracting archive mm -hmm. shell script, and it's created with this makeself.sh uh, tool. Okay. Um, so typically, right, like a uh, Windows SFX, um, you know. So it's like a shell, a bash kind of right. uh, self-extracting executable packer right. of some sort. I haven't right. ever actually looked at it, but I read about right. it here. So sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, so eventually it, um, it unpacks the, the setup.shell script and then, um, you know, it installs a spy agent in the, in the dot cache GNOME directory path. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can actually, there's the path extent that's there and you can check if that file is running there and that's how you can check if you're... Oh yeah, I think they mentioned yeah, that, right? They, yeah. they say to check to see if you have it. Um, there's some things you can go look for if this is right. in your directory. If it's in the directory, yeah, then you'll know it's there. Um, so, you know, it, this is basically spying on what seems to be a very small population of users, which is similar to how an APT organization, that's their tactics. Um, right. Um, so it's, I think this is really interesting and I, I'm curious to see what this evolves to. The fact that it's targeting Linux desktops is unusual because there's probably not a large base of users using Linux desktop. I'm not saying it's un, you know, not atypical, but it's not widely deployed like Windows or Mac would be. There's probably other Linux desktop malware that's been out there but it's really few and far between. Right. Most of the Linux stuff we see is really IoT or server-based, server right. um, where they're, you know, like a previous story we we're talking about, where it's popping an application that's maybe sitting on a Linux web server, like right. Jira or something like that, um, or uh, 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 WordPress or something, you know, and right. compromising yep. via that method. So. Um, anyway, interesting. I guess we'll see if another shoe drops on it and we yeah. find out more about it. I would say if you are in Eastern Europe, you might want to check in if you have any Linux desktop right. stuff. <laughs> the reality is there's probably malware for all of the different OSs and just because one of them, like the more popular one, gets a lot more coverage uh, doesn't mean that there's not malware out there targeting the others. All right, I thought we'd take a look at the internet weather for this week. Um, nothing super amazing, amazing that we haven't talked about before, uh, but I'll just roll down uh, some of the ports just for reference. Telnet, we still see lots of uh, scanning on this, a lot from IoT stuff. 445 TCP is the Microsoft file sharing that has a notable vulnerability that WannaCry is exploited and some of these other. There's still a pretty heavy embedded base of infected devices out there scanning for this. Um, the web, uh, SSL, HTTPS, uh, 443 TCP, went up a bunch of positions. Um, port 8089 TCP, we'll take a closer look at this one. Uh, SSH, port 22, we see that a lot in conjunction with the Telnet for IoT scanning. 3389 TCP is remote desktop protocol. Um, 81 TCP is usually related to the go-ahead web server vulnerability that's out on that particular port. So a lot of the scanning that we see on this port is related to that vulnerability. 
uh, Ethereum 8545 TCP. Um, there's a uh, uh, Ethereum wallet GETH as a vulnerability on here, still being scanned by a small number of sources, probably only like 50, but they're doing it aggressively. So this is the most pro port, so there's a lot of scanning, but a very small number of scan sources. And um, 60,001 TCP, we'll take a closer look at. This was um, below the fold uh, down at position 15 last week. Um, but we'll take a closer look at what this is all about as well. It's just crazy to me that, you know, Telnet is always the number one up there. You would think that Telnet would go away, but it has not. Uh, poor 8089 TCP. Uh, this is a one-year view, and you can see that, you know, prior, earlier in the year, there really wasn't much activity on here. Um, but then we started to see these really regular scan patterns here. I uh, took a closer look at this. Um, all this scanning that I see on 8089 TCP, where we have these uh, spikes, is um, census. So census and Shodan are kind of good guys that go and scan the internet looking for vulnerabilities. Um, and that's what these regular spikes appear to be here. But then since then, we've seen uh, a larger uptick in the amount of uh, scanning in general on this port. Uh, the sources are mostly in the Netherlands, uh, cloud hosting company out there. Seychelles, also cloud hosting. China, Japan. And I'm guessing, I wasn't able to find any um, uh, any captures in our uh, honeypot for this but I'm guessing that they're probably scanning for uh, the Splunk D service. Mm. Um, there's a kind of known vulnerability. I think there's this Splunk forwarder service that runs on that port. We've talked about it previously on the show and uh, it typically listens on this port and I think that might be what people are looking for, but I don't really have good um, insights into actual scan probes to see uh, in our honeypot what they might be looking for there. Uh, the port 60001 TCP was a little bit more interesting. Again, this is a year-long um, view. There's a fair number of scan sources here, about you know 3,500 or so, scattered across the globe. No specific you know part of the world accounting for more than others, really. Uh, although Saudi Arabia and China has a fair number, they're in the top two positions for the number of scan sources, but it's only like 50 and 60 or something like that. Um, and then you've got all these other countries that have, you know, 30, 20, 20, 20, you know, things like that from all these different countries that add up to 3,500. Uh, when we look in the honeypot, it appears that this scanning activity is targeting the MV Power DVR. Uh, this is just another one of those security camera DVR systems that is out there. And uh, there is a well-known unauthenticated remote shell exploit for that particular family of hardware. And it looks like this. And you can see it does a get for slash shell question mark. And then it could just pass in like a string of commands here. Um, it does have a wget. It's kind of like a URL encoded here. Um, I kind of highlighted the important parts of here's the, what it's trying to fetch. Um, the other thing that kind of stood out is it's, it mentions JAWS.ARM5 in here, which um, JAWS is a, um, uh, is a software package that uh, is related to this exploit. There's a bunch of different versions, so they have different versions of the ARM binaries out there. But when I looked at them, well, they're all Mirai variants. So it's just basically out there trying to spread Mirai to these MVPower devices. 
it's one thing is clear is that the Mariah is here to stay and we'll probably, this is not gonna be the last time we talk about it. So in terms of the most sources probing, 8080 is, I always forget what this one is, but it's another well-known um, uh, web vulnerability that's out there that is typically being scanned on here. Uh, 5431 TCP is a Broadcom vulnerability uh, from previous uh, scans that I've looked at, and I think we've talked about it on the show as well. Uh, 6881 TCP, which did jump up six positions. I don't know that that's actually, um, actually malicious in nature, because 6881 TCP is BitTorrent. And then 8291 TCP, we'll take a little bit closer look, because that is one that is not normal port. Like to me, when I look at these, 5431 and 8291 stand out because those are atypical ports. All the others are ones that are kind of well-known, commonly used ports for lots of different things. So 8291 TCP, when we look at this one, um, this is actually, and I think Stan might've covered this last week in the show as well uh, in a little more detail, but you can see we had some uh, this is also the number of scanned sources. Uh, this is about a six month view. And you can see that there was like some really aggressive scanning and then it goes down to very little and then a big chunk and then it goes down. So you can see that there's some botnet that kind of triggers up and says, okay, everybody starts scanning at once and then they stop again. And they say, okay, everybody scan at once. And then there's long periods of nothing where they don't really care. Um, in general, it's maybe two to two and a half thousand scan sources per hour we see uh, with some peaks higher up in here which could be more than one botnet it's possible uh, when i looked at it it does appear that they're looking for microtik devices port 8291 incidentally which i didn't mention is the administrative port for the microtik router os um, and there are various vulnerabilities for that out there well known and um, it appears that they're searching for microtik devices and deploying Hajime. Uh, most of the scan sources are in Indonesia, Vietnam, India, Thailand, Brazil. So a lot of Asia Pac, although Brazil is not Asia Pac, but um, the the most density of, uh, of victims are in the Asia Pacific region. So Mariah's not dying. Mariah's not dying. It's still around. Mariah's relatives are still around. Mariah, yeah, especially its uh, offspring. Offspring. Um, <laughs> are uh, definitely out there in full force still. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. The views expressed on AT&T Threat Track are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.